0: Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host, for Nick's Nerd. Uh, what's up guys? What up, what up? It's still January, what what what? I'm just playing around trying to be like a radio DJ. What, what? Yeah, that's probably really annoying in your ears. I don't give a fuck. Because we got a lot to fucking talk about today. There's a lot, but at the same time, there's not a lot. Last week had way more, actually. I'm just making shit up as I go along. Then again, am I? <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But without further delay, let's get to the top stories this week. And the first of which being, well folks, with the last few years having a lot of games releasing in the spring and the late winter, well, unfortunately, that doesn't look to be the case this year, as we have been hit with some pretty major delays, folks. Pretty major. Major delays. Including. Cyberpunk. Including. What's this? Final Fantasy. Even though it's a month. Including Avengers. And the Iron Man VR game. Nobody really cares about that though. That's right. The two. What were projected to be the two biggest games of the spring. Avengers and Cyberpunk. Have now been delayed. In To September, that's right, both of them have been delayed into September. What does that mean? I don't have a fucking clue. Probably not for next gen still, uh, or they're getting them ready for next gen and they're going to launch simultaneously. Uh, But, this fucking sucks, because now I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do in the fall. Like, That's insane, dude. How am I supposed to play all these things in the fall? I'm not going to have enough time. I barely have enough time now. It's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do. It's insane. It's ridiculous. September? Like, who who do they think they are? I mean, uh, this is this is infuriating. It sucks. It gives them more time to polish the game. Don't get me wrong. But it's just, it it sucks. You know, at the end of the day, it sucks. Because you're planning to play this game and sink all this time in in, you know, in the spring. And yeah, you gotta wait, man. Kind of sucks. Kind of sucks. Whatever. I guess I can just knock out a whole bunch of other stuff now. My immense backlog that just grows all the time. But yeah, I mean... Hopefully this doesn't make more crunch. And granted, it's very possible that it might. But it sucks that... Like, the game I was most anticipating this year in general next to Halo... Has been delayed... By like three or four months. And it's unfortunate. But hey, what can you do? Nothing, really. So, uh, just time to move on and, and accept the fate of the universe. Anyway. In somewhat shocking news. Sony has decided to skip E3 for the second year in a row. I don't know... Some people say this is a good thing, and this is more bad for um, this is more bad for E3 than it is for Sony. I think it's a give and take for both, uh, because Sony is coming out with a new console this year, and this is the perfect time to go to E3 to show off your biggest and best stuff that's coming to your new console in the fall. Yes, they'll have an event to to, to show all this stuff off, but you want to keep that hype train rolling all year. Yes, I know that hype fatigue is a, is a thing, but when it's in the same year, you can really capture that, and E3 is still the biggest gaming event of the year, outside of them having their own um, events, you know what I mean? So I, I think it would be, it's a disservice to fans, I think, to not go to E3, because then you can even show off new stuff that might be coming later in the year that might not be ready yet now and and there is a rumored event happening for February 5th. I don't know how true that is though. But it it it's it's very strange for them to skip E3 again, especially with a new console coming out because it's essentially just more time to show off their biggest and best stuff. And I I think granted who knows. This is just me in hindsight. Well, it's not hindsight. My, my foresight is thinking that this could be a bad thing, and it's, it's, it could backfire in the, on them. Who knows, though? They're going to have a a massive, baked-in audience. I mean, they've sold 100 million-plus of this the PS4. Now, how many of those people are going to turn around and buy a PS5 is another question. And... Then there's this other rumor floating around that this event on the 5th is actually the launch day for the PS5, and I I don't think they're going to do that because there wouldn't be any games for them to launch with. I, I, I don't know. My big thing, though, is, is this a smart move? Maybe. Could this hurt them? I think so. Could it help them? Probably not. Will this help Xbox, who did confirm they will be at E3? Probably not gonna lie this this is now their time to shine they gotta knock it out at the out knock it out the park at e3 I'm sure they will have a launch event as well prior to e3 uh, if you think back to 2013 uh, both Sony and Microsoft had events prior to e3 that they showed off their new consoles talked about all the new details showed off games and other things like this this is infamously where, The Xbox One essentially shot itself in the foot with everything that Don Matrick came out and said. And they've been living that down to this day. There's always things floating on the internet that say that people still come in asking questions that have been debunked or just not true anymore for the last seven years now. But anyway, we'll we'll see how things turn out in the next couple weeks. We'll see if this event actually happens. We'll see if Microsoft announces one. Or we just have to wait. Uh, It's interesting, though, that Sony has yet to show off what that console looks like. But who knows, maybe they're saving, like I said, for some big event that's going to happen soon. The Doom sequel, Doom Eternal, is due out in March after a few month delay. And uh, released a new trailer this week that looks fucking great. Uh, Looks like Hell on Earth is finally happening. Now, I don't know about you, but I prefer, (laughs) I don't even know, I don't know where I was going with that, but looks like they're expanding on the awesomeness of the first reboot from 2016, and it looks like they are just adding on to stuff and not changing too much, because hey, if it ain't broke, don't fucking fix it, right? I mean, it's as simple, it's as simple as that, really. And that's all that matters, because what they did in 2016 was a winning and working formula. There is no reason, and I mean there is no reason to change from that. I, I don't see what anyone would gain from changing or deleting or, or going back uh, from what was great in that game. And I am very excited to play this. Unfortunately, we're still a month or uh, two months away from the release, and... I just know that I'm going to be wholeheartedly like just in the couch playing this game with that epic rock music and just things are just going to be tense killing fucking demons and kicking ass and taking names. That's, That's the epitome of what Doom is and it looks great and I'm happy that this is finally happening. Long time coming. Four years essentially since the release of the last one. So... Good on them. Can't wait. Uh, New Smash character was announced this week for Smash Ultimate. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And uh, not a lot of whole people are too happy about it. Because it looks like they've added another Fire Emblem hero. I think this is like the 8th or ninth Fire Emblem character in in a Smash game. Especially in this one. And people are like, um, what's going on? So they've added Byleth from the most recent Fire Emblem game. Three Houses, Three Kingdoms, I don't know. And it's like, um, can we get some non-Fire Emblem characters, please? Like, yeah, you own it, Nintendo, but you got a lot of other characters, too. Uh, But no fret, they've announced a second pass of Fighters set to release uh, later this year. Uh, Fighter Pass 2, and they're adding five more. Uh, But what they did add as well, they've added some outfits for your mies, which are the... Like avatar things in on your on your Switch or Wii or whatever. Uh, they added a Cuphead outfit, which is pretty amazing. Like Cuphead's already an amazing game and character, and it was awesome that it was originally Xbox only. Now it's on the Switch, and now now you can play kind of as Cuphead in Super Smash Ultimate. And on top of that, they even added an Assassin's Creed outfit for your me, which. This is now already the most ridiculous crossover in gaming history. I mean, you got Banjo, you got one of the Assassins, you got Cuphead, you got Fire Emblem, you got Snake, you got Pokemon, you got Mario. Like, uh, the list goes fucking on. Ridiculous, man. It's crazy. Who knows what's going to be in in, in, in in Fighter Pass 2? Hopefully some fucking awesome characters, that's for damn sure. Otherwise, people are just be like, the fuck you doing, Nintendo? Come on, come on. Crazy, man. Crazy. We'll see what happens. David Cage, the studio head at Quantic Dream, who's brought games to you such as uh, Detroit Become Human and Heavy Rain, recently came out and said, there's a lot of surprises in store for 2020. What does that mean? No fucking clue. Does this mean more games on PC? Does this mean games for PS5? Does this mean games for Xbox Series X? I mean, what are, what are you doing here, David Cage? You already confuse us to hell with your games. What's, what's next, man? What are you going to do next? This is not surprising, though. Given that uh, this man is very cryptic. Look at the games he makes. So, no surprise here. But uh, hopefully, hopefully some good games coming. At least one. Maybe two. Who knows? I don't know. I never played Detroit Become Human, so I know people were kind of mixed on that game. And there's some things that don't make sense. I watched a Watch Mojo video on it recently, or was it what culture? I don't know. One of the two. I really like those two YouTube uh, producers. They make a lot of good lists. Anyway, that that's uh, that's exciting because he does make really story-driven games, and uh, it's always good to have more of those. It's always good to have more of those. Uh, speaking of PC, on games coming to PC, a listing recently on a, a job site is hinting at a possible PC port for Horizon Zero Dawn. Now, you guys have heard me talk ad nauseum about this game before. Uh, unfortunately, I, I did not have the uh, podcast when I originally was playing the game. I, I do love that game. It's one of the reasons I bought a PS4 to begin with. So it was uh, I have yet to play the DLC. hopefully I'll, I'll get to that in my downtime now, now that nothing's coming out till March. But it's uh, uh, definitely, I don't know how that game will translate to PC as well., um, not everything plays on the mouse and keyboard well, you know what I mean? It, it's not uh, not everything is 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 easy to translate to that. But i I will say that is a game that is definitely uh, uh, worth it to be able to put in the hands of more people. i'm I'm very happy for that. That is something that's very awesome. Like I said, I, I did love that game and it it's it's an amazing game. It's a great story. just the 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 robots that are in it are are friggin awesome as well. And it it's it's nice to see that that happening. Uh, if this is true granted it, it it hasn't been confirmed to be true just yet but it is something that I I hope happens it's it's definitely something a game like I said that needs to be played by more people and hopefully a sequel is coming which is rumored right now uh, that's another thing that I, I would welcome and again I'll probably end up getting a ps5 for that for that game when it when it eventually comes out but that is something I'm excited about. And uh, anyone who's who's wants to know about it or has ideas about it or is, is just questioning it in general, just ask. You know, I'll, I'll again I'll talk at length about it because I love that game so much. And uh, here's a a surprise that literally everyone saw coming. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto V is the best-selling game of the decade, the decade, folks, in North America. And uh, yeah, no surprise there. But uh, this top 20 list is also just filled with Call of Duties. So here's here's just a rundown from 2010 to 2019. Number one, GTA V. Number two, Call of Duty Black Ops. Number three, Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Number four, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Number five, Call of Duty Black Ops 3. Number six, Call of Duty Ghosts. That's actually very surprising, considering everyone hated that game. Uh, granted though, that was cross-generational, I think, Or was that the first one on the new consoles? It was the first one on the new consoles. I remember that. I don't remember if it came out on both though. I think it did though. But uh, when I say I mean, I mean both generations. Number seven, Red Dead Redemption 2. Look at, look, look, look at that. It made the top 10 in a year in a year. Call of Duty Modern, uh, Call of Duty World War II is number 8, Black Ops 4 is number 9, Minecraft is 10, showing you it's, that's, it's amazing power. Call of Duty Advanced Warfare is 11, Modern Warfare, the new Modern Warfare is number 12, folks, showing you that that is a great selling Call of Duty if it made it that far. Skyrim is 13, with it's a million different versions, Uh, Mortal Kombat 8, I'm guessing, is MK8. Call of Duty Infinite Warfare is 15, showing you a low for the series. Battlefield 1 at 16. Battlefield 4 at 17. The original Destiny at 18. Breath of the Wild at 19. Yes, that's Breath of the Wild. And number 20 is Star Wars Battlefront. And you know all the hullabaloo that went in around that game and the second game as well. So... I'm just a little surprised there at at the the first couple there. I'm I'm very very surprised. So, oh Mario Kart eight. Excuse me, that was Mario Kart eight, not Mortal Kombat eight. A couple of Switch games. Uh, and if you guys are wondering, this is what the previous decade looked like. So this is 20, 2000 to two thousand nine. This is all based off NPD. Here's number one. This one one actually might surprise you for 2000-2009. Guitar Hero 3 Legends of Rock was the best-selling game of 2000-2009. Wii Fit was 2. Rock Band was 3. Wii Play was 4. Guitar Hero World Tour was 5. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. And then Call of Duty Modern Warfare. No surprise there. Making the top 10. Mario Kart Wii at 8. Grand Theft Auto San Andreas at 9, so showing Grand Theft Auto has a big, big power. Call of Duty World at War at number 10, Guitar Hero 2 at 11, Rock Band 2 at 12, Madden NFL 07 at 13, Halo 3 at 14, Madden NFL 08 at 15, Grand Theft Auto Vice City at 16, Madden NFL 09, Halo 2, Grand Theft Auto 4, Madden NFL 06. Look at the amazing difference in those lists. It, 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 it's, it's, it's shocking, actually, when you think about it. One decade is dominated by sports. The other is dominated by shooters. That is crazy to think about. Look, And, and Madden is still one of the top-selling games of the... Uh, every year, when you think about it. Call of Duty, though, always dominates every year unless a Rockstar property comes out. But it, it, it's it's crazy to think of, of how those things change. And Call of Duty was not as powerful back then as it is now. And even then, it wasn't selling as great in this current generation. But But even the two halos to make the list is insane. That's, that's crazy. I just, I'm, I'm kind of shocked by both of those lists. But, uh, two Switch games, though, to make the list for this decade. Uh, pretty awesome there for, uh, for Nintendo, showing you the power of the Switch and the Wii, of course. And sticking on the, that Nintendo note there for a second, we got a new trailer for Super Nintendo World that is set to open this year at Universal Studios Japan. Uh, it's a trailer with a, it's a music video, actually, Uh, With a song by Charlie XCX, and I forgot the DJ on it. Uh, But it's just showing off the different things going on at at the new park, or expansion to the park. Uh, Wristbands will offer interactive capabilities. Uh, You'll get to do, live out certain games, uh, Mario games, uh, right now, uh, in real life. They said it could expand beyond Mario in the future. I'm looking at you, Link and Pokemon. Clearly... Uh, Nintendo has a lot of franchises they can expand upon and use to bolster a theme park presence. I, I don't know what kind of land they have around uh, Universal Studios Japan. I know it's in Osaka. I always forget about that particular Universal Studios, by, actually. Um, because it it's not as famous, obviously, as the two here in the U.S. I know there's another one in Singapore, uh, but it's... Interesting to say the least. I, I'm not surprised that, that Japan, Universal Japan, is getting it first. My only thing is, I'm looking at a, a image, a satellite image now of, of Universal Studios Japan, and I mean, most people have seen pictures of Japan. Things are just on top of each other. There's not a not a whole lot of room to expand in a lot of places. I don't see where or how the park can expand. Um. Looks like there's this big steelworks next to it. I'm sure that's a big operating business, though. So I don't see that happening. But, and they're next to a port, of all places, to put a theme park. So, if they do expand, I don't I don't know how they would do it. This is an interesting looking park. It's mostly inside, from what I can see. Uh, I also forgot that they had a Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Japan. But, it will be interesting to see how they do things um obviously here at universal japan the other place i can see it happening for sure is maybe universal studios singapore if if not the us um because that that's definitely something that would happen next and i don't think hollywood would get it but for sure um Universal Studios Orlando would, because they have a lot more room. Uh, and it, it's definitely something I can see happening in the future. I'm sure Japan is just a test run, though. But granted, Nintendo just owns Japan in general. Uh, people love everything Nintendo there. People love Mario and Zelda and all this stuff. Because it's, it's their home country, so it, it makes sense. But uh, hopefully, hopefully it comes here. Eventually. That's it for gaming news, though, this week. Uh, Obviously, the biggest news was the delays. And not a whole lot else going on as we enter the lull of winter time in in the gaming industry. But no matter. No matter. We have a lot of TV to talk about. Uh, Obviously, we're going to talk about the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths from the CW. We're going to talk about that a little bit at the end. uh, Because there is, like I said, a lot of TV to talk about. Um, First things first, though. Uh, Sci-fi has announced that they're making a Peter Pan sequel series. And that's all I'm going to say about that, because that's a fucking stupid idea. (laughs) Um, Picard is set to premiere this week, uh, just a couple days after you guys listen. Uh, Today is Sunday the... what is today? The 20th? The 19th. Today's the 19th. Uh, Curb your enthusiasm back tonight, people. And so is Avenue 5, the new HBO show. Uh, Anyway... Um, Picard premieres this week, but be on the lookout in the future as apparently two more possible live-action Star Trek shows are in the works. Per Alex Kurtzman, the head producer on all the programs, I'm stoked on that. If we could please put them on network TV though, and not on CBS All Access, that'd be uh, that'd be real great, you guys. There. Uh, what I'd like to see though is a return to, like I said, network TV, and uh, this one of two things, either a show set in the Kelvin timeline, which is the timeline from the new movies, uh, and a a, a time which hasn't been explored in the series, like the time of the Enterprise B or the Enterprise C, we only got a glimpse of those in in a movie and in uh, Star Trek Next Generation episode, or... Uh, or at least maybe a Star Trek, Ener- uh, or a Star- Enterprise B, Enterprise B, but in the Kelvin timeline look. Or, or, a series uh, set in uh, either the Picard era, the show, or the next gen era, but with modern tech and modern stuff. That's something I would welcome. Uh, please, 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 please give these to me now. I would totally, totally, totally welcome these. But... Please don't put them on CBS All Access. I really don't want to keep paying for that. I'm only getting it to watch Picard at this point. And then maybe I'll just dabble in some Discovery and then cancel it. But let's put some Star Trek on network TV and not force people to buy your streaming service, please. Thank you. Fans of the Showtime series Shameless have something to be happy for. Uh, It has been renewed for 11th and final season uh, to premiere later this year. I know it's a good show. I know a lot of people that watch it. Um, so yeah, if you're a big fan of Shameless, you get one more year. Um, some news out of Disney+. Plus. Apparently, the Baby Yoda puppet purportedly cost $5 million to make. Uh, this is per Adam Pally, who was giving an interview. Uh, he plays one of the Scout Troopers with Jason Sudeikis in the final episode, and he kinda, like, beats up Baby Yoda. Uh, spoiler alert! But, uh, he said, like... When he was hitting it, John Favreau came down to talk to him and be like, Hey, be careful. That is a $5 million puppet. Uh, Not surprised there, because it's got a lot of animatronics in there. But uh, to go off that, an image was released this week by the Star Wars Twitter showing George Lucas meeting Baby Yoda for the first time, and it was was very wholesome. It was very wholesome indeed. It was nice to see that. Nice to see the father meet the son, (laughs) pretty much. If you guys are big fans of Jack Reacher, uh, Tom Cruise did uh, some two, two Jack Reacher movies recently. Amazon has announced that they are bringing Jack Reacher uh, to series on Amazon Prime Video. No surprise there. As uh, they want to get that up up and running as soon as possible. Um, so it's uh, really nice to see that. People, of course, love... Love, love, love Jack Reacher and things like this and, and action movies. No word on a star yet or a premiere date or anything like that. Uh, the CW has announced that they have given a full order to their upcoming Superman and Lois show. Uh, branching off from the C- from the Supergirl Arrowverse show with uh, Tyler Hocklin and... Uh, what's her name? Bitsy Tulloch uh, starring as Superman and Lois Lane. Hopefully it's not like the Dean Kane show from the early 90s. Moving on. Uh, the head of Stars said that The Continental, which is a spin-off show from John Wick, is still happening. Uh, you don't worry there, because it's moving along greatly, they said, and expected it expect it to be on the air sometime soon in the future. Uh, out of HBO, we learned that the House of the Dragon prequel series to a Game of Thrones probably will not air until at least 2020. The head of HBO gave some candid remarks at the Television Critics Association uh, show, pretty much saying that, uh, well, this one probably got greenlit for series because it actually has something to build off of. The other show, The Long Night, which took place like 5,000 years before, something like that, she said that one was a little trouble, the pilot just didn't work. They also don't have any real source material to go off of. Uh, mainly because it was just something that they were kind of making up as they go along, and I'm sure George couldn't commit to them to give them more stories. So, yeah, we gotta wait uh, at least two years before the next Game of Thrones show, which is which is good. It will allow people to decompress and kind of uh, distance itself from the original show and allow it to build its own audience and hype and and get people like, "Oh, I haven't seen Game of Thrones in a while." Like, "Oh, a new one's coming." "Oh, stoked totally, dude." And and it, I think it will be perfect timing for that. And uh don't remember that don't don't remember. Don't forget that it will also be on HBO's and Warner Media's streaming service HBO Max. And sticking with HBO Max, they announced that they're getting a new animated Aquaman show which will be produced by James Wan. Apparently tie-in to the movie. I don't know if Jason Momoa will be voicing Arthur. uh, But it looks like HBO Max is looking to step up their DC content. And I wonder how long DC Universe will stick around with that. Granted, DC Universe has comics and stuff. And I'm sure they'll work in tandem with each other, if anything. Uh, But building off that, uh, they also announced for the Green Lantern show that will be premiering on HBO Max. Uh, It will span decades and also uh, Sinestra will be involved, and there will also be two Earth-based Lanterns. Now, we have, in current DC continuity, there's about six Earth-based Lanterns. Obviously, Hal Jordan, the original... Well, not the original, but the original Green Lantern in terms of, of space and science ability, not Alan Scott, the magic-based one. So you have uh, Hal Jordan, Guy Gardner... Uh, uh, Kyle Rayner, Jon Stewart, uh, Jessica Cruz, and Simon Baz. Is that six? That's seven. Hold on. Hold on. Now I gotta double-check myself. Ugh. Okay, yeah. So six, and it's for the... This is the Green Lantern Corps. Like I said, not Alan Scott, so technically he's a Green Lantern, but on Earth 2. Anyway, Hal Jordan, Guy Gardner, John Stewart, Kyle Rayner, Simon Baz, and Jessica Cruz. These are the six Green Lanterns to choose from. My money's on Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart, as is everyone else's. So it'd be the make the most sense, obviously. Um, Can't wait for that show. That should be fucking awesome. Can't fucking wait. Uh, Snowpiercer. If you're a fan of Snowpiercer, that show, which is coming to TNT, now has a premiere date of May 31st. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, Better Call Saul has been renewed for a final season uh, with six, and I think that's premiering later this year, if I'm not mistaken, on AMC. Um, Rob Mcelhenney, the executive producer and star of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, has come out and said that the show will go on forever. <laughs> he said that uh, has yet to be; it, has, it hasn't even been renewed for season fifteen. Uh, he's also the co-creator. He was talking about uh, his Apple TV show, which actually just got renewed recently. Um, said that it takes us about five months to make a season of Sunny. We have that period of our, of our lives carved out for just that. And yes, we're going to keep doing it forever as long as people keep watching it. And he also, I don't know, I just, I never really got into the show. I've seen episodes that are funny. I know people love it. And I I can see this going on for a very long time. I don't see it stopping unless the stars decide to walk away, which can happen. You know, they say this, but then they get tired and they want to do something different. So, Also, in uh, terms of that, I don't know, actually. uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was uh, someone, I think the creator of the boys, the show or the comic, was talking about how they would want Jeffrey Dean Morgan to be in the show. And then he followed up with, uh, hell yeah. Call me. I'll I'll be in it whenever you want me to. Which, uh, yes, please put Jeffrey Dean Morgan in, in a potential Season 3. <laughs> um, HBO has announced that they are going to pass on the show Confederate, which is going to come from uh, D&D, the creators of Game of Thrones, obviously. But Obviously, passing on the show as well, because I don't think there's a big market for a world in which the Confederacy kept chugging along and slavery still exists. So... Yeah, no surprise there. Would have been cool to see alternative history, but at the same time, probably not. not Especially not today. Not in today's times. Tarantino announced that he wants to d- direct uh, several episodes and bring to fruition episodes of Bounty Law. If you saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Bounty Law is the show that Quentin Tarantino's character... Quentin Tarantino, he's the director. Leonardo DiCaprio's character played in the movie universe. So. We got some more in- info on Quentin. But that's kind of dumb. I'm just saying. Uh, in really surprising news. Hank Azaria. Is no longer going to voice Apu. And I know we had a big hullabaloo about this. A couple months back. And th- there's a lot going on. Regarding Apu on the Simpsons. And things like this. And I, 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 I don't know. I don't want to get into it anymore. But he said that. Uh, it's weird because it sounds like maybe someone else might be voicing him. He said this. Uh, he was speaking to Slash Film, and he said, "All we know there is. All we know there is. I won't be doing the voice anymore unless there's some way to transition it or something." Yeah, so maybe someone else is going to be taking over. Uh, in the most confusing <laughs> statement I've ever read. Um, but yeah, Hank Azaria will no longer be voicing a But in in terms of things, I don't think The Simpsons is going to be on much longer. I think they're going to hit, like, 31, 32, and, like, end it, maybe. I I don't foresee it going very much longer into the future. Uh, Also, some news regarding Disney Plus Star Wars series. Uh, There's a rumor floating around right now that Jar Jar may return in the Obi-Wan series. I don't buy that at all. Uh, And then possible... On top of a potential Knights of the Old Republic movie, we may also get a Knights of the Republic television show. And if they produce it and do it on the same quality as The Mandalorian, then fuck yeah, I'm gonna watch it. That's for damn sure. Um, yeah. And uh, as Netflix faces more and more competition, one of which we're gonna talk about in a second, they are planning to spend $17 billion with a B, dollars on content this year. Yeah, you heard that right. Seventeen billion, up from the two billion they spent last year. Crazy, crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, whatever. Anyway, like I said, we're going to talk about some Netflix competition, and that is in the form of NBC Universal's Peacock service launching in April this year. Uh, They have announced that it will release on Wednesday, April 15th, with both ad-supported and paid subscription versions. Uh, There's a catch, though, folks. The only people who get it on April 15th are if you are subscribers to Comcast's Xfinity X1 service or owners of Comcast Flex devices. The wide release for everyone won't happen until July 15th, uh, to coincide with the start of the Olympics as they announced, they will have a year-long Olympics channel. Uh, yes, I don't know if people know this, but there's stuff going on that pertain to the Olympics every day, every single year. So it's just sports coverage, essentially. So, in terms of cost, uh, this is this is the options you guys have. The first, this is, this is a completely free version called Peacock Free. It will have about 7,500 hours worth of content and movies news, and live TV. Uh, The next is called Peacock Premium, and it will have around 15,000 hours of content, and uh, will also have an ad version. Uh, So if you have Comcast, Peacock Premium uh, will cost you $5. Oh, sorry. That will be free if you're a Comcast subscriber and will cost $5 for everyone else. And then if... um, they also have an ad-free version of Peacock Premium, which will cost $10 for everyone, or $5 if, you have, uh, if you're have if you a Comcast subscriber. Um, they also said that there's a possible future of promotional partnerships that could lower the cost. So it goes between free and $10 a month. Uh, it's priced pretty comparatively to, to Netflix and their cheapest option, as well as Disney+. Uh, HBO Max, though, don't forget, launches May this year... And that will run $15 a month. Um, they also announced a McGruber show, which is coming with uh, Will Forte to Peacock. Uh, it will also be the exclusive streaming home for uh, Law and & Order and all of its spin-offs, As well as sh- uh, other Dick Wolf productions like Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, Chicago PD. Uh, the Tonight Show will be on along with Seth Meyers, will be on Peacock. They'll actually be on earlier than than their normal time frame. Uh, Three hours before they air, so that's about uh, 9 p.m., depending on where you live. Fast and the Furious 9 and Jurassic World 3 will also be timed exclusive on Peacock after their theatrical runs, obviously. Um, So it's interesting to see all this. Oh, fun fact also, Peacock will be the home of Harry Potter in all its films. In the future, and not on HBO Max, due to some crazy, funny licensing rights, which is hilarious if you ask me. Warner Media is launching HBO Max as their streaming service, and they won't have one of their premiere properties on it. That's fucking great. Um, <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Anyway, uh, final bit of news here for TV wise it's just wrapping up Crisis on Infinite Earths that was on the CW and oh my fucking god what happened on that show first off great crossover finale Oliver came back as the Spectre um sad though we also lost Oliver and I don't even know if he's gonna be in the the final two episodes of Arrow which is unfortunate um yeah, man, I, it just, it sucks that Arrow's gonna end in a couple weeks, but, oh god, uh, it sucks, man. It's one of the few shows I've watched, like, completely to the end, and watched every single episode. And and I'm not counting shows that got cancelled that I've seen every episode for, I mean, I'm I'm talking about a show that I started from day one, and watched every episode as it ran its course, and it, it ended, this is, not, it's not a, can, it wasn't cancelled, it ended, and, and, um... Yeah, it's unfortunate. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks when it ends. But uh, let's talk about the amazing cameo that happened that blew up the internet when it happened. And I'm talking about Ezra Miller. Um, Yes, Ezra Miller is in the movie Flash. Had a cameo scene on the TV Flash interacting with Barry. And apparently this was filmed after they had already finished Crisis... Uh, hold on, it's, uh, so Ezra was stoked on it, he said, I think it's awesome, and come on, we're the Flash, it's parallel universes, Grant Gustin is the Flash, and I'm the Flash, don't you see, it's the Event Horizon, we crossed it, baby, Grant and I are chillin', we're gonna have a race, it's gonna be dope, like Jay Garrick and Barry Allen back in the day, it's gonna be dope. Uh, that's from Ezra Miller, that dude, I love that guy, he just is all about the Flash, and all about the movies, and I guess... This is the fact that this happened at all is amazing because in the past, DC kept everything very, 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 very separate. Okay. You couldn't even mention Batman's name on TV. Now we got two Supermen. We got eight Supermens flying around out there. It, it, it's, it's, I, I'm so happy. And this is, uh, so Mark Guggenheim, the executive producer. Uh, tweeted out, like, someone asked him, like, what did you have to do to get this? He's like, I had to grow two extra kidneys. And I guess this is what happened. Hold on. The relationship between deep, uh, Warner Brothers television and movies has always been very hard, like I said. And this is what Guggenheim said. I think it's the relationship has always been good. I think sometimes the internet, because the internet's always looking for conflict, it tries to make it out like we're at war with each other. We're angry that we can't use Suicide Squad on Arrow or something. But it's like we're kind of old friends, and we'd go out and drink, and we were sort of bonded by our love for these characters. Uh, That that said, though, hopefully this will open doors to more cameos in the future. Uh, I'm trying to find the thing. I guess... Uh, This is what it says. Uh, Ezra and Grant ad lib some really funny material. Like, each of them are admiring each other's costumes. Uh, Yeah, they they do say that. I think this will play into the movie, too, because Ezra's character is like, The Flash, what? And he learns the name, and uh, hopefully maybe a costume change. I'm trying to find the quote. I thought I had it. But I guess the movie people were the ones that approached TV and were like, Hey, can we make this happen? And they're like, "Uh, Yeah, let's fucking do it. (laughs) <laughs> so, I I still I'm still just contemplating this whole thing, and hopefully this has ramifications. He drops a name, uh, or Ezra Miller. Flash drops like I told Vic this was possible, hinting at hopefully Cyborg's involved in the movie. So, oh man, I hope this leads to more crossovers in the future. Please, 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 please. Also. Now that the crisis is over, we have a new Earth Prime, which is the home of the Legends, Arrow, Flash, and Supergirl. So their Earths were combined, like I predicted. Uh, I guess the Green Lantern movie is now part of the Arrowverse in some capacity. I forget which Earth it is, but yeah. uh, I totally didn't know that Greg Berlanti was involved in that. He's the creator of all the Arrowverse shows. Um, So that happened. Also, a lot of other things a lot of other Earths hinted at, uh, but I'm very, very, very excited to see to see this happen. So we'll see what happens on the Arrowverse moving forward. Um, again, goodbye Oliver. But I don't know how they're gonna top it with a crossover for 2020. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was pretty fucking awesome, and I like how it ended, and I like how the universes are all separate. Uh, there's a new Earth 2 though, which is where Stargirl will t- will take place. Uh, there's Earth 16, I think, is where the Titans are. Earth 19 is where the Doom Patrol is. It, it shows off all the different Earths at a teaser at the end. Um, Kingdom Come, Superman is back where he belongs, uh, considering Lex Luthor kind of like killed him off in one of the one of the crossovers. Uh, I wonder how they're going to introduce Ryan Choi into the Legends to take over as the the Atom. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's happening, folks. That is happening. But let's move on to movies, of course, as we chug along on this very long episode of Nick's Nerd News. I'm kidding. It's not long. It's just longer than usual. <laughs> um, new trailer for Morbius the Living Vampire. And it looks boring. I don't know about you guys, but Sony just doesn't know what the fuck to do with Marvel heroes other than Spider-Man. And even then, they fuck up a little too much. But, yeah, this is the new Jared Leto movie where he plays Morbius, the living vampire. The only saving grace, in my opinion, of this is there's hints to Spider-Man and the MCU. Uh, there's actually, in the, a shot in the trailer shows... Uh, a scene from the PS4 Spider-Man game, but with the uh, Sam Raimi outfit, and it's got "murderer" spray painted across it, so hinting at, uh, I guess Jay Jonah Jameson is rumored to be in the film as well. I'm not surprised. Um, like I said, it's already been hinted at to have MCU ties, uh, because at the end we see Michael Keaton's character, uh, who p- he played the Vulture in the first uh, in Spider-Man: Homecoming that's really the only saving grace. I I I'm going to I might watch this movie, but it does not look interesting to me at all. Just like Venom didn't look interesting to me at all. But we'll see. I know we reported last week that Hans Zimmer would be doing the music to the new Bond film and I don't remember if I said, but I think he's perfect for that. He's he's got very bombastic tones and James Bond is, is can do well with that kind of music. But now we actually have confirmation of who will actually be doing the theme song for No Time To Die. And that's going to be Billie Eilish. Who, uh, she's quite new if you're not aware of her. She's got that song uh, Bad Girl out. Bad Guy. Bad Guy out right now is one of her big songs. And if you ask me, I think Billie Eilish is perfect for a Bond song. She's young. She's hip. She's got kind of this raspy voice when she sings. I I think she's fucking perfect if you ask me. Uh, let me see if I can pull up a song and just play a little bit of it for you guys because I don't want to get copyrighted or anything like that um hold on a second uh, this is her most popular song right now like like I said it's called it's called bad guy but here's some more of it actually I think I, I can do like like 10 seconds of that before I get in trouble. But anyway, I, I think she's going to be a perfect person for the for the Bond song. Uh, I'm sure she'll write it. She's a good writer because I think she writes all her stuff. So it's uh, I'm excited. I'm very excited to see where that goes. Um, like I said, we were talking about Tarantino and him direct- directing Bounty Law. Well, it looks like he might not do Star Trek, his Star Trek movie, anymore either. Uh, he did say, I think they might make that movie, but I just don't think I'm going to direct it. It's a good idea, they should definitely do it, and I'll be happy to come in and give them some notes on the first rough cut. But he won't direct it. I think that's a shame, unfortunately. And like I said, he only wants to do 10 movies before he retires, so it's does he want to do a Star Trek or does he want to do something of his own? And, and it really comes down to that. But I think it looks like they're moving ahead with Noah Hawley's uh, purported Star Trek 4, or... Star Trek like 14 or whatever it is now. So uh, anyway, um, so Colin Trevorrow, Trevarro, excuse me, who directed Jurassic World and is directing the Jurassic, third Jurassic World film, had originally been tapped to direct Star Wars episode 9. And I guess now his purported version of the script has leaked. Uh, No one has commented on it, so AV Club says it is verified as legitimate, but here's some breakdowns of what was in the uh, Episode 9 script. Hold on, I'm reading this from Reddit, and they're the only ones that have a a good breakdown of it, unfortunately. Some people say it's better. I don't think so. Um, I guess they were going to go to Kuat, the shipyards. Uh, This is... Uh, a planet from Legends, where all the Star Destroyers are built. Uh, BB-8 and Rose, who are gonna, were actually gonna. Rose was actually gonna be a lot bigger of a character, which that I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of her. Uh, Coruscant was gonna feature heavily in the film. Uh, Palpatine was not involved. Uh, some stuff on Tatooine, and there was gonna be two main groups, I guess. Of uh, they were gonna split off into groups with. I, I, I don't know. Um, hold on, I'm, I'm trying to read here. Uh, it would have been Poe, Finn, Rose, and Ray, and then Leia and other people. Uh, Mustafar and Vader's tempo played into it, which made it into the current one. Uh, Coruscant wasn't going to be a vibrant city any longer. I don't buy into that at all. Uh, the uh, Knights of Ren were still heavily involved. So there's some things that kind of made its way into the current script and some people said it they weren't, but I I think it was. Um Ray creates a force beacon. There were gonna be force ghosts similar to what was here with more but Luke, but maybe Anakin and some other things. I guess a force ghost of Luke was gonna taunt Kylo Ren the whole film. I I don't I don't know a lot of nutso stuff if you ask me. Oh yeah, so here two teams: Rose, Finn, R two and C three P O, and then uh team two was gonna be Ray, Poe, Chewbacca. I don't know about that. Um, they were gonna go to a Sith planet. I don't know. I just think this is really dumb. If you ask me, um, there was gonna be some guy that was like. Palpatine's Master, Master of Palpatine's Master, some really old dude, and Ray. I don't know, they were going to go to Mortis, I just, it's dumb, really dumb, I'm not getting into it more, because I don't, if it is true, I don't think it's better than what we saw, I think it's more convoluted than what we saw, if you ask me, and granted that was a first draft, and Trevorrow left before they could finish and wrap it up, so, uh, you know, it, it's it's a whole lot of nonsense that I'm sure could have been changed in the final draft and final script and shooting script. So, to me, I, I don't think it's that much better. There's some cool stuff. I think if they... Th- Honestly, I think what they did in Rise of Skywalker is better than what was in Trevorrow's script. And, and that's fine. That's just... It's fine. It's okay. It's not a big deal. Um, and speaking of Rise of Skywalker, it has crossed the billion dollar mark and that's it. Um 20th Century Fox, a very old and prestigious studio which has now been gobbled up by the Disney machine. I'm trying to sound uh trying to sound, sound like I think that's a bad thing. <laughs> um will now be rebranded and this is this is interesting because 20th Century Fox has existed as 20th Century Fox for at least 50 years. Okay, this was before Fox like Rupert Murdoch Fox bought them. But now it will be renamed 20th Century Studios. Fox Searchlight Pictures will now be renamed as Searchlight Pictures. And 20th Century Fox Television is now going to be... uh, Actually, those haven't been renamed. Neither has Fox 21 Television Studios. So those are are still the same. Uh, They have also been told their email... uh, So this is... Per a couple different sources, Searchlight staff have been told, their email addresses have changed, fox.com is now searchlightpictures.com, and a couple films now will be affected by this, Uh, they'll all be released as 20th Century Studios films, that's going to be really interesting to see, Uh, granted they started as 20th Century Pictures way back in the day, Uh, but it'll be interesting to see that fanfare, where it will just say 20th century pictures instead like... dun 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 But... Yeah. That's fun. That's fun, isn't it? Isn't it? No, it's, it's not. It's really not. Hollywood history is being dismantled in front of our eyes, people! No, it's not that big of a deal. It's really not. Um... Hey, how about this? Got a new trailer for a new movie starring Daniel Radcliffe, and it's called Guns Akimbo, and it looks great. So in this alternate future, people are forced to participate in this weird game show uh, for life or death where guns are bolted to their hands. Yeah, so this movie is starring Daniel Radcliffe where he gets guns bolted to his hands, and he has to run for his life and fight for his life. And it's a comedy, right? It's funny. Go watch the trailer. I'll just say that. It's hard to describe. Um, In an interesting turn of events, Barbara Broccoli, the producer of the James Bond films, her father started the James Bond franchise, uh, the films at least, uh, was being interviewed by Variety and said this, because a lot of people are pushing for a female Bond. He can be of any color, but he is male. I believe we should be creating new characters for women, strong female characters. I'm not particularly interested in taking a male character and having a woman play it. I think women are far more interesting than that. And I 100% uh, agree with that. Because um, I don't think we need to be taking characters that belong to men to give them to women. I think that's a little... Disempowering. I think in today's day and age, we shouldn't be. Yes, women deserve more heroes and more uh, characters that are powerful and strong and things like this. But taking it away from a character who was previously a man, I think, does very little to that because it says, oh, obviously we couldn't write a woman character like this. We had to readapt it. No. Make a. I think. Oh God, I'm gonna. This is. I gotta be very careful here because I don't want to sound like an asshole, and I don't want to sound like like I don't believe in this this movement because I do. What what I what I mean by this is. I think if if women are gonna have characters they can look up to and powerful characters, we need to create new ones because like what she's saying, if you take them from a, you take a man's character and and do it. It, it's it, it it's not as interesting because it's like, oh, well, clearly, and, and then people are just going to compare it to the guy and then it's never going to work. Like, look what happened to the Ghostbusters movie. Th- that I was very excited for that movie. and It was poorly executed, though, beyond that. But people just were like, oh, blah, 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 they, they need to be men. Well, it should never have been women. Blah, blah, blah. All that garbage, right? Because they were always going to be compared to that. We they need to be able to stand up on their own without any baggage, without any possible hate. They need to be just their own character. And look at Wonder Woman. Look at how that works. Look at Captain Marvel. Okay, Scarlet Witch, um, and in Valkyrie and all these other characters. They they stand on their own because they weren't a man before, and that's why it works. That's why it works. Um. They got into some other interesting stuff in the article about casting Daniel Craig and changing Bond for the modern era after 2001, and it's really interesting. It's a really interesting read, uh, and like I said, that's on Variety. Um, so definitely go check out that. But in the best fucking movie news I've heard in a while, National Treasure Three is fucking happening, people! National Treasure Three. From Disney, with the people who just made Bad Boys for Life, which is doing very well, is now going to happen. And I don't know if they're going to follow the original plans that have been floating around for like a decade in regards to like Atlantis, or if a National Treasure 4 will happen. Um, But the screenwriters of Bad Boys for Life, Chris Bremmer, is writing... Uh, National Treasure 3. And Jerry Bruckheimer is producing still. And funny, Jerry Bruckheimer produces bad boys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doesn't say if it's a reboot or continuation of the series. Um, And they don't know if Nicolas Cage or Diane Kruger or Justin Bartha will be back. They fucking better be, otherwise it's not going to be good. Um, God, has it been 13 years since the second one? Holy shit. Uh, no word yet on if the director will be back. But, oh god, I just, I hope this happens. I can't believe it's been that long. Holy shit. God, that makes me feel old. Really old. Really fucking old. Um, but speaking of bad boys, we're going to talk about that, because I saw it. But first, let's talk about them Oscar noms, people. Let's talk about them 2020 Oscar noms, the 92nd Academy Awards the 92nd award uh, what I hold on I can't even talk today I'm just making up nonsense as I go but anyway the 92nd Academy Awards I'm just going to talk about the big ones uh, Joker is leading the pack with 11 11 nominations people Joker Joker. anyway uh, nominated for best Picture in 1917 which will probably win Ford versus Ferrari, the Irishman Jojo Rabbit, Joker. Little Women, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Uh, Best Director, Sam Mendes for 1917, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Todd Phillips for Joker, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong Jo Hoon for Parasite. Uh, please note, this is very powerful as Parasite has is being nominated for Best Picture and Best Foreign Language Film. Uh, Best Actor is Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glo- Glory. Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. Best actress is Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Sa- Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, <laughs> Bombshell, no, Bombshell, and Renée Zellweger for Judy. Best Supporting Actor is Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes, Al Pacino in The Irishman, Joe Pesci in The Irishman, and Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time. Probably gonna win. Best Supporting Actress with Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell, Laura Dern in Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson in Jojo Rabbit. Whoa. She's nominated for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress. What if she wins two Oscars in the same night? That's insane. Florence Pugh for Little Women and Margot Robbie for Bombshell. Uh, Best Original Screenplay, 1917, Knives Out, which should win, if you ask me. Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time, and Parasite. Best Adapted Screenplay, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and The Two Popes. Uh, Best Animated Feature Film are How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, I Lost My Body, Claws, which is Netflix, Missing Link, and Toy Story 4. Uh, obviously, a whole lot of other things going on here. Uh, best original score, 1917, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, and Star Wars. Best original song, I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away, Toy Story 4. I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man. I'm Standing With You, Breakthrough, Into the Unknown, Frozen, and Stand Up from Harriet. A uh, whole lot of other stuff going on, but interesting here. Uh, Honorary awards are going to David Lynch and Gina Davis. Uh, and then, like I said, Joker has 11 nominations. 1917, The Irishman, and Once Upon a Time have 10 apiece as well. And uh, then some other ones. We're not getting a host this year. I think we posted, uh, talked about that last week. Um, but yeah, interesting to see these films. Um, and, uh, Joker, obviously, one of the best films to, uh, but best films of last year to be nominated. Avengers Endgame, surprisingly, only one nomination. <laughs> uh, and that's for best, um, best visual effects. And it's going up, up against The Lion King, 1917, and Star Wars. So, we'll see how that goes. But, that is happening in a few short weeks on February 9th. So be on the lookout for that. But a uh, couple more things to talk about. Uh, like I said, Bad Boys for life. Did watch that. Definitely 8 out of 10. Not as good as the second one. But up there, probably same level as the second one. I very much enjoyed it. Um, it it's clear that Martin Lawrence is kind of slowing down. His comedic timing isn't as good as it used to be. Um they brought Reggie back. If you've seen. Uh, Bad Boys 2. You know who I'm talking about. Will Smith is as powerful as ever. The supporting cast is really good. I, I like the addition of some of these younger actors. Like uh, Vanessa Hudgens. And. Um, I can't think of his name. Some other characters they brought in. Uh, that. Head uh, up this task force. Called Ammo in the movie. It's really cool. Uh, the villain was actually compelling. I really liked it. Um. Ties into some things from the past that don't tie into Bad Boys 1 or 2. Uh, something new, so I enjoyed that a lot. The action is is amazing. Uh, Michael Bay did not direct, but the people that did, you'd think they were Michael Bay. Because there's classic Michael Bay tropes throughout the film. Um, I very much enjoyed that as well. Great cinematography. The jokes were on point. The story fit with you know two older guys facing retirement. And... Man, it is very good. The only reason I wouldn't say it was great and it wasn't as good as the second one cuz there's some like ridiculous things that happen in this movie that like go beyond the realm of what reality and understanding is. Uh granted it's a Michael Bay f- produced film and it's a bad boys movie, so yes, they got to go over the top and above and beyond, but there's just still some things like yeah, that's not going to happen for real cops. <laughs> like this is just uh, it's a little bit of a stretch here, folks, but nonetheless, like it, it, solid 8 out of 10, I very much enjoyed it, it was very funny, action is great, if you love Bad Boys, definitely check this movie out, you'll love it, it is a sequel that was worth waiting for, I will say that, um, and on top of that, there's news now that Bad Boys 4 is now in active de- development, and uh, Chris Bremer, like I said, who's who wrote bad boys for life and who will be potentially writing national treasure three will also be working on, on bad boys 4 um, I'm stoked for that. I, I can't fucking wait. I am very happy to have this franchise back. And, uh, Will Smith is as good as ever. Like I said, so very, very, very good. Um, couple things though, to wrap up the show. Um, the sci-fi and fantasy world lost a big name this week with uh, Christopher Tolkien passing away, uh, son of J.R.R. Tolkien, and uh, he died at the age of 95. And he was uh, he essentially was the one who, the head of the Tolkien estate. He finished books that his father wasn't able to finish. Um, he was the executor of the estate. He edited the Silmarillion and published it. The Fall of Gondolin in 2018, which was another book in in Middle-Earth. And uh, this was all based on unpublished material. He drew the maps that were featured in all the Lord of the Rings books. He was... Now, he did not like the films. He's a vocal critic. And uh, he said they gutted the book making an action film for 15 to 25-year-olds when he spoke to Le Monde in 2012. It's a French magazine. Uh, he did try to sue them. Um, he claimed New Line owed the Tolkien family like 80 million pounds in royalties. Uh, undisclosed settlement was reached later on. He retracted his public objection to the Hobbit films later, I guess after the lawsuit, interesting. And look, there's this can go one of two ways. The Tolkien estate can now go like super Disneyfy and just fucking franchise everything and sell everything and I I hope that doesn't happen I hope that doesn't fucking happen but but there's some good things that can come of this as well as I just mentioned he was a very vocal critic of the Peter Jackson films and some other things have not been able to get done because of his heavy hand what could happen and hopefully someone that has great care and love for the franchise and and the world of Middle-Earth takes over for him that won't sell out, but will allow for some other things to happen. Christopher Tolkien was very um, demanding and very protective of his father's work, and as he should be. But uh, a lot of things have been sacrificed to the wayside because of it. Games, uh, potential shows, um, mostly in the gaming world and the show world. I don't want more books. I don't want anyone playing in Middle-Earth that doesn't belong there. Uh, gaming is okay, because it adapts existing things. Um, but, it, I don't know how to put this, but hopefully there's good things that come of this, and hopefully the bad things do not come of this. And that that's all I'll say. It's unfortunate he passed, and like I said, he committed a lot of what we know today of Lord of the Rings uh, after his father passed, and allowed a lot of that stuff to be expanded on. So, maybe... Maybe we'll get some things that he did not want published that have yet to be published that were written by his father. So who who knows? Who knows? And uh, last bit of news, uh, I got the first and second loot crate equip boxes, which are what took over for Halo, the Halo Legendary crates. Uh, this is their new gaming crate, if you will. And I got the first one. Wasn't totally cool with it. I was going to give it a second one. The second one arrived real quick. I will say this. I'm not going to continue this subscription. I'm definitely canceling it. The first two boxes were a bit of a letdown to me, and, and these are the introduction to the to the the box, and they should be, you know, pretty good. They shouldn't be okay. Um, the first one, hold on, I'm going to read you what was in the box, because they don't, I gotta go, go online to do this now. Um, so the first one was called Back to School. This was back from October it was supposed to, and it only came now. A Skyrim messenger bag, gave that away, not a big Skyrim fan. Fallout writing kit, which was just four pens, or three pens and a pencil. Um, A Doom composition notebook, which is really awesome, and it came with a pen, so that's really cool. A Psychonauts ID lanyard. a And a Doom pen, it's the Doom guy's mask, so that's really cool. But again, it was just overall just meh. Not uh, not really feeling that, people. Um, and they have not done for what I'm guessing is Decembers, because it's every other month. But in there, it came with a Tails, Tails, you know, from Sonic, Little Plush. Two pint glasses, one is, I think they're both, I opened them each and I'm not going to open them now because it's just loud. I think they're both Pac-Man, if I'm not mistaken. A little mini lunchbox, metal lunchbox from Space Invaders. Uh, Some awesome stickers from Galaga. And uh, the pin this time. Never mind, there's no pin, but some Space Invaders keychains. Yeah, not keeping loot crate equipped, that's for damn sure. I'm going to stick with the normal crate, and the loot wear, and the wearables. And some one-off crates every now and then. Oh, and the Rick and Morty crate, that's supposed to come every... Three months that I've yet to get that was supposed to come months ago. So, uh, yeah, they're still figuring everything out. I think they're finally on track. And I think they've cleared up a lot of their woes that they had last year. Uh, But that's it for Nick's Nerd News this week. As usual, I'm your host, Nick. Please check out our website where you can listen to the show right in your browser. Or if you prefer to listen on the go, you can find links to our Spotify Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcast pages. That's all at a handy, convenient location of nixnerdnews.com. Also, while you're there, check out all the links to our social media pages, including Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, You'll also find our social media feeds right there on our website as well, so you can see all the funny memes we post in one handy-dandy place, so that way you don't have to follow us on all three if you don't want to. But please do. Like and share and subscribe. As my shameless plug here for all of you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, next week, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Um, other than the second to last era episode of Arrow, which is supposed to be a backdoor pilot for the potential Green Arrow and the Canary spinoff. We will talk about... Oh, I don't know. I might go see The Gentleman, so we'll talk about that if I see it. Uh, no definite concrete plans there. Also... Uh, No games coming out anytime soon. I did beat Pokemon. And uh, finally, uh, I'll get to my backlog as well. Hopefully finish some other games. But that's about it for this week. I will catch you guys on the flip side. Have a good one.